In the words of a king, there is power. And as we behold him with unveiled faces, we're transformed into the very image of God. Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. K. Ijishesan, brought to you by Kingswood Ministries International. We believe that as you listen, faith is stirred up in you to become all that God has called you to be. So this morning, God gave me a word for you. The theme of the program is I dominate, right? You know, as a ministry, God gave us a word and it's dominance. Somebody say dominance. Dominance, dominance, dominance. If I, and the word next to that is, I call, I call it is relevance. Dominance, relevance. So this morning, I'll be speaking on what I titled, Take Your Mountain. Take your mountain. Take your mountain. Hallelujah. Take your mountain. Joshua chapter 14 and verse 10. Take your mountain. Joshua chapter 14 and the 8th verse. Take your mountain. Glory to God. It says, Now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. As I said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel wandered in the years. And now here I am, these 45 years. Verse 11. And as yet as I'm strong, as yet I am as strong this day, as on the day that Moses sent me, just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war. Both for going out and for coming in. And now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day that how the Anakim were there and the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. Caleb, at 85, was addressing Joshua, the new leader of Israel. And he was making reference to a prophetic, you know, encounter he had regarding 45 years before then, how he was promised a mountain after they came back as spies. And it was just him and Joshua. And interesting enough, that Joshua now become the leader of the team. And he took it upon himself to approach Joshua that, remember, I was promised a mountain. It's been 45 years. And I've not forgotten about that promise. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. There were things that God put in your heart as a little boy, as a little girl. Until life happened. And you started making babies. And you know, you got on your job. And by the way, please, never confuse your career with your assignment. You can, you know, you know, there's this phrase that people often use that I'm not so much fond of. He has done well for himself. 
At times, it means nothing. Because what they are trying to say is that you move to the suburb, <laughs> you've bought a house, you have maybe two or three cars, you are married, and you make some babies. Then what? Is that all to life? Because you can have all that and yet be off the purpose of God for your life. The bunch of things we celebrate on this side that heaven does not reckon with. So he's doing well. And heaven say, no, he's not doing anything. He has not even started life. Because what I designed for him is, is so big, is so huge. Now, don't ever call success you serving yourself. You bought a house. Who is, who is living the house? You send your kids to the best schools. Whose kids? Your kids. So it's all about you. It revolves around you. God is much bigger than... I'm, I'm sorry to say, I'm not saying you are, not, you are not important. But God's agenda is more important than your little achievements. Because ultimately, God's intent is that a generation must be served. The Bible says in Acts chapter 13 and verse 36, he said, said, David, I mean, David, after he had served his own generation, that was a king. And when they were going to summarize his life, it was not about his title, but rather it's about his service. He served, he served his own generation, then he slept. So effectiveness in life is about you understanding the purpose of life. And the purpose of life is much bigger than your convenience. Effectiveness in life is not just about your comfort. In as much as God wants you to be comfortable, life is beyond your comfortability. There's a bigger meaning of life. Why will God allow somebody like you to be in Dallas at this time? Some of you have even forgotten how you got air. Because you have got sucked in into life. Paying bills. Doing all the things that, you know. But there is a purpose. Here was this 85 year old man. Who would not let go. He would not let go of the purpose of God for his life. He said, I was promised a mountain 45 years ago. Life has happened. A lot of things have happened. But I have not forgotten it. And that's why my, you know what? All those 45 years has passed. But I'm still strong enough to take that mountain. Having said all that, God brought something to my notice last year. And he started dealing with me since late last year about something that happened. About 50 years ago, in 1972, there were two gentlemen, the right of Campus Crusade, and Laura Cunningham of Youth with a Mission. These gentlemen are dealing with God separately without knowing until they came together and started comparing notes, only to realize each one of them, or should I say, both of them had similar dreams. And in that dream, God revealed to them seven spheres of influence which are often referred to as mountains. 
And God began to show them that, you know, if there's any, if there's any way culture is going to be influenced, these mountains must be understood by the body of Christ. And the body of Christ must come to an understanding that they have been called to take their place in these mountains. And I've come to Dallas this morning to let somebody know that I am tired of a church that is addicted to gathering. I mean, every Sunday morning, we are so addicted to, to a gathering that by the time we are handing one, we are already thinking about the next one. We are boxed to the temple. We, I mean, we just love one another. We love fellowship with one another, which is amazing. I'll, I mean, I love church. I'm a church boy. My parents have taken me to church all my life. I can't imagine. That's why pandemic was weird. I mean, doing church through Zoom. Come on. Oh, anybody enjoyed it here? Yeah? If you enjoyed it, we need to cast out some spirit out of you. I mean, it was no fun. I know a bunch of people have not returned. And you know, some people are saying, oh, church is going to be online going forward. Never. Never. Online has its own place. Virtual. You know, the pandemic showed us the possibilities, what we can do virtually. But it was never designed to be a replacement. It's meant to help us so that we can do more. For example, we had a, a global leadership training. Uh, this, uh, the last few days, we ended it yesterday. About 500 people gathered from multiple continents, from all our different campuses, close to 40 campuses, or 30 something campuses, I don't even know. But they all gathered. And it would have been difficult to get everybody in the same room. But you know, some were, were even at work and they could still participate. And it was beautiful. I mean, you know, we have opportunities for that as a result of the, the virtual experience that has now been added to the church. But, I mean, it was not funny <laughs> not being able to wake up on a Sunday morning. I, I think maybe it happened once or twice because I, I went to church anyway. I went to church most of the time, at least with my choir and my media team. We still did church and the rest of the world, God bless. Somebody shall remain. But, I mean, I'm a church boy. So, I have nothing against gathering like this. We, our gathering is important. In fact, the Bible says, I believe, is it Hebrews 12? He said, do not forsake the assembly of what? One another. And, you know, these days when I see people that are anti, you know, us coming to church like this, I say, you are fulfilling scripture. Say, the manners of some will be as the days approach. The question is, which side of prophecy do you want to fulfill? More will be part of people that will be hugging. We don't need physical gathering again. I will show you. Hebrews 12. It was because of you it was written. Can you see it? Do you want to fulfill it? Because some people can give you 21 reasons why we don't need to gather physically again. God is a spirit. God is a spirit, but you are a spirit that has a body. Yes, sir. Hey, should I preach it again? God is a spirit, but you are a spirit that has a what? You are a spirit that has emotions. Listen, there are times that you and I need to be touched. Yes, why would Jesus touch that leper. He could have just spoken. But he had to touch him. Because the man needed more than physical healing. He needed emotional healing. He had not been touched for years. He has been, he has been ostracized from the, from, from the society because of his condition. So Jesus knew for this man to be made whole. It's not just about speaking a word and healing him. He needed to what? Touch him. So he touched him. So you and I need to be touched. 
Even a lot of workplaces are realizing now that in as much as a lot of people are getting things done virtually through Zoom meetings and whatever, there's a need to come together. Hello, somebody. So I said, let's do hybrid. At least two days in a week. Come to physical location. I mean, meet with people, interact with people. So I said all that to come to a point that I'm not anti-physical gathering. But I'm against the addiction of physical gathering to a point that we think all to us is to gather on the Sunday morning or a Wednesday evening. And as we're finishing one, we're thinking about, we're going to see you next Sunday. We're going to see you next Wednesday. And, and we have neglected our assignments. What is assignment? He said, go ye into all the world, all the world, all the world. I've come this morning to help somebody come to a place of understanding of his assignment in his world. Now, those two gentlemen, Lauren Cunningham and B. Bright, by the help of the Spirit, were able to identify at least seven mountains. Some people have revised it and taken it to two of them. Well, let's stick with seven this morning. Several mountains. I don't want to assume everybody know about them, so let me run through them. Several mountains were identified. I call them mountains of what? Influence. The first one is religion, which influences the worship of God in spirit and in truth, or through a spirit of religion. <laughs> there is a void in every man that can only be filled with God. And if the revelation of God is not appropriately communicated, it will be used some other ways. Because man is a spirit, just like God is a spirit. So if you don't give man the right revelation where the worship of God is concerned, he's going to channel it wrongly. Spirit of religion will take over. And that's why we have all manner of religion. So this, we need to get it right. There is a mountain of influence. And there are people that have been called to that mountain. I'm one of them. I need to teach you God's word. The operation of God's spirit. So that you can channel your worship appropriately. Secondly, there is a mountain of family which is key. This mountain determines the dominant influence in the lives of children... And young ones, generally speaking, they're very important. Do you know one of the key reasons why God picked Abraham was because God could trust Abraham that he will raise an offspring after, you know, the, the, the principles of God. He said, I know. Here He will do well when we're bringing up a family. So we need people that we teach us because a lot of people are clueless. It's many people that come out of dysfunctional family. A friend of mine, interesting, he lives in, in Dallas and I told me several years ago because he's that chief. <laughs> he said, I did not know how much of chief I took from chief's house until recently. He said, there was something we all hated growing up. Chief had several wives. We all hated growing up. But I found myself doing the same thing to my son. And I caught myself in there. I said, oh my God. This was how chief used to be. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes have you seen your mom or your dad in your expression? So don't just think it will happen automatically. It needs to be taught. You need to, you know, my wife was talking about, you know, some of the things she had to change. In time, when, when our kids were growing up, I too had to change. 
had to change some of my approach. I had to become a better listener. I can't just be backing instruction. I'm your father. I brought you to this world. If I hear any one of you make statements like that, I brought you into this world, I can't take what out. That's ignorance. And by the way, your children are not little you. They have their unique purpose. Your assignment as parent is to help them discover their purpose in life. Not, you know, achieve what you could not achieve through you, through them. The school you'd have loved to go to, but you could not go to, maybe because your parents were, didn't have money. Now you want to judge children. You must go to that school. What if the child is not supposed to go to school? And God is too creative to duplicate. Your child is not your duplicate. He's himself. He's herself. Let, you know, your job as a parent is to help him discover him. Purpose is not what you invent. It's what you discover. So there are a lot of people making babies. They have money. They have good jobs, but they don't know how to run a family. So there are people that have been raised to make sure this, because, you know, the direction of family is the direction of the society. If you get it right, family-wise, you've gotten it right, society-wise. Once the home institution is messed up, the whole society is messed up. So there are people that have passion and bodies and callings to instruct us, to teach us. You know, let me just say this by the Spirit. There are people that are supposed to be in that mountain that are forcing themselves to be pastors. Just because you have a charisma does not mean you are supposed to be a preacher. I pray for somebody this morning that you will come to a discovery of the plan and purpose of God for your life. Family. You are passionate about family. What about education? That's another critical mountain. We need educational systems that communicate the truth and principles of God rather than the deception of the enemy. Strong educational systems. Not everybody can be a pastor. Some of us are called to be in that. You know, and by the way, one of the things I will say is it's possible. In fact, in most cases, you have people finding expression in multiple mountains. Of course, there may be a dominant one. I'm just family. It's possible that it's your family and what? Education. There are people. It's a, I mean, I'm used to some parents talking about, oh yeah, although they are not teachers, but they want to be involved in the school system. They join the board. They even campaign to be, I've never had passion for it. But God helped me to attend the meetings. Thanks to my wife. Even if I were not going to go, we are going. But there are people, they are passionate about it. They make decisions. But no, 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 we're not going to do that. I mean, for example, look at what is happening in America. The education system is literally mostly ungodly. And by the, time, by the way, your kids will end up spending more time in school than listening to you. If God does not help you, everything you are trying to build at home can be neutralized in the school system. So we need people in the education. Am I boring somebody this morning? Okay. Then what about media? Inter interpret information and events through the lens of good or evil. Media is key. It's key. 
I mean, a friend of mine called me a while ago. Oh, I'm not sending my, chi- my child to America again. He said, why? He said, because they are killing everybody in America. I said, where did he get it? Media. And he does not even live. He lives in, in Asia. I said, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I already lost my child to Canada, not America. I'm like, really? I've, I've lived in America for 24 years. This is my 24th year. Nobody has ever pointed gun at me before. Even one of the most dangerous places they say in, in Chicago, that's where I have properties mostly. And they don't point gun at me. I reap money there. But you know, media as, I mean, and media, let me tell you, the worldly media, or should I say secular media, whatever you call it, specializes in bad news. How many of you have noticed before? CNN, something negative. They will take it and say it 25 different ways. They will bring different people to elaborate, to expand it, to expand it. And they are specialists on every bad event. This person. <laughs> Media is key. We need believers in that space. We need believers in that space. We need believers in that space. Media. Is key. I've covered that money now for. What about hearts and entertainment? I mean, if anybody had told me two years ago that I'll be involved in hearts and entertainment, no, 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 no. I'm a preacher of the gospel. But I, I mean, towards my 50th birthday, I had God speaking to me. He said, I need you involved in, with creatives. I'm like, what? Why? I'm not even, I'm not a singer. I'm not, I can't act. I can't play any instruments. The closest thing to me, you know, is my father being a choir master several years ago and he could not even use his influence to get me to the choir. It was that bad. Can you imagine your dad was a choir master and yet they will not pick you. I was that good. Art and entertainment celebrate or distort values and virtue. So we need people who are called. And I'm not just talking about talking. People that will put their money in it. There are two categories. To the glory of God, the movie is coming out this year. It's not a Christian movie. It's not a Mosiah movie. My money is in it. Millions of naira. I put it in it. Close to 10 million naira. I'm part of the people that sponsored the project. Because who can just be talking? Let's do something. I need you involved in that space. Art is important. You know, as powerful as my pulpit is, guess what? One content creator in my church will reach 20 times of the people I can reach with all the anointing of God upon my life. Media entertainment. What about government and politics? Any people there? And a lot, of you can, a lot of you can relate with that, especially based on where you came from. <laughs> if there's any area where Nigeria has been consistently afflicted, I'm 50 years old. No, I'm not even 50. I'm fi- ah, Jesus. I'll be 52 this year. Jesus. I'm young. I'm the definition. By the way, point of correction. Pastor Dutton said I'm the head of wisdom group. That's a lie. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Uh, yes, it's a lie. This is the resident pastor of the church. You can ask her. 
Now, the, I was the one that founded Wisdom Group over 10 years ago. I'm supposed to be for people 50 and above. But it just happened, the year I turned 50, I sensed God was changing the direction. So I announced that going forward, the membership of Wisdom Group is now 60 and above. But all the people that were already there, I grandfathered them. So they said, keep your membership even if you are 51. I mean, look at me. I'm too young to be in the oldest group in church. <laughs> because I could not even, I could not bring myself to it too. And I'll be, in fact, the head, Pastor Goff, the head of the wisdom, they were already preparing to welcome me. I said, welcome who? Don't welcome me. Ten years time, we will we, 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 we talk about it again. And the, the bar might move then again. It can move. So, Pastor Dutton, you need to, when you are in Chicago as resident pastor, wisdom group was 50 and above. Not any longer. So, point of correction. But you can, you, you can start, in fact, you can make it for seven and above in Dallas. It's okay. It's not a general rule. Please, if that's what suits you, I will love you. I will come. I can't even, I can't even speak for you. I can't speak for you because I'm not in your shoes. So, so government and politics is either government restrains evil or enables it. We need people in politics and government that promote justice, morality, and equality. Might sound like I'm giving you a lecture. Now, some of you are acquitted to some of these things, but you need to hear it again because faith comes by hearing and hearing. Some of you are hearing maybe for the first time. And the last but not the least, business. It distributes resources used to honor God or celebrate man. This mountain literally finances every other mountain. What we're doing here, if we don't have people that understand finances and are working in good, I mean, we can do it. It takes money to run church, whether it's business. I mean, I was talking to Banky a few, a few weeks, no, two weeks ago. And, you know, he was talking about how much money he needed. Banke is a politician in Nigeria. And it's not, it's not small money. Whether it's commerce, whether it's, I just talked about putting millions in the project, Netflix project, Netflix Amazon project, just a few, a few, a few months ago. <laughs> when I saw the budget, Jesus, excellence is not cheap. Write it down. Excellence is not cheap. Good stuff costs money. For example, presently I'm involved with creatives. I mean, giving them exposure. And even I have a company that manages them. I mean, you're surprised. I'm surprised too. And you know, freely have we received, freely we give. But guess what? If you are interested in any of my, any of my people, we will ask you, what is your budget? Because I've come to realize there's an association of dishonorable pastors. I remember it's coming from a pastor. And if you enter the clique, you are grounded. I mean, if it's a small church, I don't mind. Go and be a blessing to them. We even say, okay, don't even collect anything. Just bless them. But some churches, they're just stingy. They want it cheap. So we're not charging, but give us an idea. What is your budget? Is that not fair? I mean, good music costs. The people in the band, it's not an they are collecting. There is, every one of them is a contractor. Does anybody know anything about music? 
I mean, because you'll be shocked. How many pastors give honorarium without honor? Honorarium minus honor equals rium. Eum. He is for eum. Eum. There's no honor there. So we asked them. I mean, there was one of them that asked one of the pastors in this, not in your city, one of the cities, major cities, the city you came from. You know, he said, come, come, come. So my staff said, what is the budget? And he gave the budget. So we said, it's not available. We are not late. And Holy Ghost did not say we should go. Because there, there was too much dishonor. I said, no. I told him, I said, sleep on that Sunday morning and enjoy, just enjoy the fellowship of God. Eventually, I was able to find him a place to go and minister. Because God told me, say, I want you to be an apostolic voice in that space to give order. You keep on accusing these people of loving money, but you keep on maltreating them. You use them as toys and tools. Treat them anyhow. Say, no way! And this is coming from a pastor. So what are you going to do? And to the glory of God, I've been around with you. April will make 30 years that I've been pastoring. So I know what I'm doing. Every of this mountain needs finance to be effective. And God is saying, I want my people to find their placement. Understand what I've called them to do rather than just enjoy ourselves on Sunday morning. You, you know what is your place on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday. On, God does not, he does not. Now, you know, one of our problems is that we have raised believers who know how to do church, but they don't know how to do life. So they don't know what to do with Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So they're like, okay, the work, the word is a dark place. So we just go there quietly and come back. When the Bible says you are the light of the world. Oh, come on. A city built upon the hill that cannot be seen. He said, I send you out as sheep among wolves. He knows there are wolves there. He said, but I will keep you to function effectively. You are among wolves. Or guess what? You will still shine. You will still have a testimony. You will still have an impact. And I had the Lord saying for such a time as this, he's raising people in this season. He's going to be sending you out. Opportunities are going to be opening for you in different palaces. The same way God sent Esther into the palace. He's about to send you into palaces. And he's going to back you up with supernatural favor. Doors are going to open for you. But the question is, when you get to the palace, will you understand the purpose of God? Or will you just think it's just about you? Because if not for Mordecai, Esther would have missed it. Esther got to a point. Point. He thought it was about self-preservation. Don't let me talk so that I won't get into trouble. It took a Mordecai to come into our space and say, are you out of your mind? You are brought in for such a time as this. I don't know who I'm talking to. God is giving you, he's giving you platform. He's giving, he's raising your voice. He's making you known in your industry and you think it's just about your mortgage so that you can buy a bigger house. I'm not against your bigger house, but there is a bigger purpose of God. Am I talking to somebody? God has called you to serve humanity, to serve your generation, to impact your world. When we are talking about dominance, it's not just about you having more money to show that God has blessed me. It's about you being able to serve. There's a generation to be served. There's impact to be made. Our service should not just be limited to what we do in church service. In church service, I'm an usher. I'm this, I'm that. It's good. 
In fact, that's supposed to be your training ground. So that when you go out in the world, you have been well taught, you understand leadership, you understand how to lead. And you can be an example. Your mission field starts on Monday. Tuesday, it continues. Wednesday, it continues. That's your mission field. I refuse to be part of a generation that is so scared of Monday because it's comfort, their comfort is only in what? In Sunday. That's when I fellowship with believers. Oh, I love Sunday so much. You are addicted. Sunday is for empowerment. But there is a Monday waiting for you. God is not looking for believers that will shy away from the world. But he's looking for believers that will dominate. Am I talking to somebody this morning? So it takes a reset of mind, a rethinking. I've been brought in for such a time as this. I have relevance. Come on, get on your feet and shout it. I have relevance. Come on, shout it seven times. You may be seated. Let me begin to round up. There are a few things I want to highlight as I round up. I'm not teaching them. I'm just going to highlight them. Which are going to be key for you to take your mountain. I'm not even really interested in taking your mountain. There are a few things that are key. Number one. Identify your assignment. What is my assignment? divine placement. What did God have in mind before he brought me here? Let me tell you, everything about you, there was not an accident about it. Your background, your country of birth, including your upbringing, your environment, your exposure, they were all wired in because of his purpose. And when we are talking about purpose, we are not talking about your thing, but rather we are talking about his thing. The Bible says all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to what? His purpose. So it's his purpose. I know we are, we are so fond of my purpose, my purpose. No. Don't you never say it's not your purpose. It's his purpose. I mean, now, assuming I'm a, I'm a, I'm a director of a, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a movie and I wrote the script right, and I said, Bisola, I have a role for you. You're going to do this role. And I said, Manuel, you're going to do this role. I said, Pastor Dutton, you're going to be the James Bond of this movie. And you know, and I assigned different roles. And now, Bisola started going around and saying, my movie, my script. No, his purpose is script. You have a role. You have a role. You have a role. And that's why you can't do purpose outside of God's revelation. He was the one that wrote, he said, he said, I come in the volume of book as it is written of me. Now, it has, he has assigned a role for you. You discover that role. But primarily, you must remind yourself it is his script and it is his purpose. So purpose is not what you invent, but rather it's what you discover. The, the director must give you the script. Yes, sir. 
And you must now understand the script so that you can play your role. So you have a role in his agenda. So remember, it's God's agenda and you have a role to play in it. So after discovering that role, you now have a responsibility to engage that role. The engagement of that role is what we call vision. The ability to see it clearly. To develop a strong mental picture. Because until that, you can't run. And the people that are supposed to work with you as a team, they will not be able to do what they are supposed to do. They say there must be a clear mental picture of the future that has not appeared. But clearly seen mentally. Although we call it mental, but it takes an involvement of the Spirit of God to paint that clear picture. Am I very clear? So you must find your assignment, identify it, know your divine placement, and of course develop relevant skills and build spiritual strength and build spiritual strength for impact. Two, you must be cultured in God's grace. You know, you can say, okay, now I know what God has called me to do. I, I, got, I got it. I got it. I got it. What did you get? Or what have you gotten? You got nothing. You are a product of grace. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 15, he said, I am what I am by the grace of God. 1 Corinthians 15, 10, rather. I am what I am by the grace of God. Grace speaks of the supply of God. God is saying you cannot carry yourself. Turn to your neighbor say, neighbor, you can carry you. You must be carried. The day you begin to feel self-sufficient in yourself, that's the beginning of your failure. He has to carry you. Why do we pray? Because we are grace conscious. Prayer is a positioning for the supply of God's grace. Why do we spend time in the world? Because we have come to realize He is the vine. We are just the branch. The life that makes us fruitful comes from Him. We are grace dependent. Why are we part of a local church? Because we know it's an infrastructure for the flow of grace. Because the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, the evangelists, they are people that are appointed by heaven to cause the grace of God to flood your life. Is somebody following me? We are not independent people. We don't trust ourselves that much. We know if it does not carry us, we will fall, we will fail. We are not just saved by grace, we live by grace. We function by grace, we deliver by grace. We stay connected to grace. We don't run life alone. Liverpool fans, you know what I'm talking about? You will never walk alone. Don't try to do life alone. You need the supply of the Spirit of God. So there are different grace systems. Write it down. Grace systems that you must engage. The Word of God, prayer, church system. You must factor in the favor of God more than your labor. Oh, yeah, I'm going to apply myself. Nobody saying you should not apply yourself. But by strength shall no man prevail. Your strength is not enough until your strength is fueled by grace. Your natural strength will fail you. So don't make you about 
what you can supply for you. Make it about what God can help you to accomplish. We are dependent on God. Man was never designed to do life by himself. He came from God and we need God to carry him. So be cultured in grace. Think grace. Act grace. Live grace. Three. Master the spirit of faith. The spirit of faith. You know, I mean, Caleb was such an amazing man. Can you imagine? 85-year-old and he was still talking the way he talked. That was faith. Faith is never quiet. Write it down. We have in the same spirit of faith as it is written. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. I have believed, therefore I have spoken. There is no such thing as a faith that does not speak. Uh, that man is a man of faith. It's just that he doesn't talk. Men of faith speak all the time. We have the example, the perfect example in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, the earth was without form and void, darkness upon the feet, and God said, Verse 6, verse 3, verse 6, verse 9, verse 11, all the way to the end of that chapter, he was speaking. He was speaking. Touch your said, neighbor, the spirit of faith is never quiet. Come on, tell at least three people around you, the spirit of faith is never quiet. The spirit of faith is never quiet. The spirit of faith is never quiet. Jesus spoke to the wind. He spoke to the tree. He spoke to the sick. He even spoke to a dead man. A dead man he spoke to and the dead came alive. You must master the spirit of faith because you, you can't... Now, this mountain, whatever God has called you to, there are enemies there. You know, that was the problem with those 10 spies. They were more conscious of the enemy than their promise. So they sang songs about the presence of the enemy and they forgot about the ability of their God. Hey, ah, we can't do it. Oh, there are giants there. There will always be giants. But greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. The one that gave you the promise, the one that sent you on an era is bigger than the giants in the field. Just because God has called you to take a mountain does not mean you're just going to walk into that, into that space unchallenged. There are going to be things that will say, no, it's not possible. The people that will take their mountain are people that have mastered faith. They understand the language of faith. When they see opposition, they don't bow. They don't, ah, no, 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 no. The Bible says, fight the good fight of faith. So faith is a fight. Some, of, some people are trying to win without fighting. That's something else. It's not faith. Faith involves a fight. You fight it. You fight it. There will be opposition. There will be challenges. There are going to be things that are going to stare in your face and say, no, 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 you can't do it. But you go, you're going to stare back at them with your words. The problem is that they stare at you. You to stare back. Don't just, just stare. Speak. Speak to the mountain. Oh, come on. Turn to your neighbor. Say, in 2023, I'm not keeping quiet. Come on, get on your feet. I say, in 2023, I'm not keeping quiet. I'm speaking to mountains. I say, I'm speaking to situation. I'm speaking to challenges. Oh, I'm speaking. Faith speaks. I speak. Speak to challenges. Speak to afflictions. Speak to situations. Speak to your body. Speak to your mind. Speak to your career. Speak to your family. Oh boy, keep on speaking. That is the spirit of faith. 
We win in this kingdom by speaking. The word which I speak, not the word which I thought. He said, the, the word which I what I speak. They are spirits and they are life. So until you speak it, there's no life. The word which I want. There's a reason why your faith is a product of spoken word. <laughs> if your faith is a product of spoken word, your faith can only be effective by speaking words. Oh, somebody needs to learn to speak this year. I'm going to speak everywhere. Somebody say, why are you always speaking? Because that is how I win. I win by speaking. I win by speaking. When I say the negative, I speak the positive. When I say the barrier, I speak the promise. I speak by faith. I speak all the time. That is the spirit of faith. There's no such thing as a faith that does not speak. Oh, Masatabayakataya. Angry Amata. Sit down, sit down, sit down. As powerful as the word of God is, until somebody puts it in his mouth and releases it in words. There's no life. Shoots the enemy. Speak. For example, at the beginning of this year, January 1st, God woke me up in the morning and he took me through Psalm 91 as if I've never read it before. And he began to show me different things. And you know, one of the most exciting parts of Psalm 91 is verse 2. I will say of the Lord. By the way, can I, can I warn you? God, God spoke to me. He said, in 2023, he said, there are going to be there are going to be several attacks of the enemy. The arrows that flies by day, the terrors at night, the pestilence that walks in darkness, the destruction that strikes at new time. But guess what? You will not fear. Lift up your two hands and say, I will not fear. But if you are not going to be afraid, you must say of the Lord, He is mine and mine in him I speak faith speak you've cried you've done everything start speaking speak whosoever shall say to this mountain you want to take your mountain speak your mountain into existence so I said, but I don't have enough finances. You have your faith. You have the God kind of faith. It's more powerful than finances. In the order, in this, in the order of things, relevance, importance, your faith is more important than finances. Some of you, you see people that have resources and they don't have faith. They're like, ah, it's because of his finances. And you have faith. And you, have, you don't have value your faith. Because every child of God has the God kind of faith. You are not a bastard. If you are to be born of God, is to be born with faith. But you must know how to use that faith. You release it. So you master the spirit of faith. And of course, you recognize and maximize opportunities. I speak as a prophet of God, you are in a season of opportunities. I say you are in a season of what? Opportunities. Listen. The disruption of the present times are your opportunities. You know, it's during farming that millionaires are made. There was farming the land. Isaac was going to move out and God said, stay in Gera. This disruption is to your advantage. 
There's disruption everywhere. Look at interest rates. Some of you, you are so thankful to God that you bought your house when you bought it. Because the interest rate is crazy now. Seven point something. What? And some of you got it at two point something. There was an opportunity. And what God is now saying, even in this disruption, there's an opportunity. Because they're going to, I speak as a prophet of God. That every opportunity around you, you will see it. <laughs> you know, I, I love Ruth. Ruth was somebody that mastered how to take advantage. Opportunity showed up. There was a Boaz. And the Bible says, and it happened. You know, I checked the original, the word translated happened there in the Hebrew. I realized there was nothing connected to locking it. It was a divine orchestration. It was the same word that was used in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 11. That the race is not for the swift. The, oh, can I prophesy today? The battle is not for the strong. We say time and chance happen. I declare in this season, by divine orchestration, you will have opportunities to excel. There was a disruption in the palace that pushed Vashti out. It happened. Somebody will misbehave in your office because your prophecy must be fulfilled. It happened. I want to pray for somebody this morning that as God is setting things up, you will be sensitive enough to align in the name of Jesus. Can you imagine when it happened that Vashti was walked out of the palace just because the king felt slighted? Could they, could, can you imagine if Mordecai had not prepared Esther well? It happens. Oh, can you imagine if Ruth had not had good relationship with his mother-in-law and with her mother-in-law to know that, that there's a Boaz, that, that she can actually go to, to his field and glean. Oh, it happened. It happened. Oh, Ralabasataba. I speak as a prophet of God that it will happen for you in this season. Lift up your two hands and shout, say, it is happening everywhere in my favor. It happened. It happened for Ruth. It happened for Esther. It happened for David. It happened that when Goliath was there harassing the, the army of Israel, that was when David showed up. He, he was only asked to take supplies, but it happened that he saw it live. <laughs> I speak as a prophet of God that the opportunities of your season you will be positioned prophetically to take advantage of them. Somebody shout, it's happening for me! It happened. Everyone, boom, it happened for Joseph. The king slept. Had, dream, had a dream, no interpretation. Was harassing everybody. The chief butler that forgotten about him was forced to remember. His memory was, was quickened. Oh, I know somebody, sir, who can help you. An inmate. Okay. But the, the king did not care whether he's coming from the prison. That he was an inmate. In the natural, he had so many things working against him. He was an inmate who has an offense leveled against him, against one of the officers of the king. And on top of it, he was a foreigner. But none of that mattered because they were just looking for a solution. 
Oh, can I speak as a prophet of God? I declare there will be destruction around you to accommodate your prophecy. Get on your feet. I feel the Holy Ghost. I said there will be destruction around you at your workplace, in your industry, in your space, in your city, in your state, in your nation. It won't matter that you're an immigrant. It won't matter that you don't look like the people that used to occupy that office. Oh, Masa Tabalakataya. Divine opportunities will be created for you. Masa Tabalakataya. So that your four prophecy will be fulfilled in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout, It's happened. Say it, it happened. Hey, hey, it happened. Don't you, neighbor, say, neighbor, watch out for me in 2023. It's happening. Hey, you'll be at the right place at the right time with the right set of people having the right conversation. It will happen. Watch out for me. I may not look like it, but it's happening for me. Miracle is on the way. Angelic assignments everywhere. It is happening. Are you excited? So, disruption is not a disadvantage. It's an opportunity for good things to happen for you. Policies will be bypassed. We don't normally do this, but because it has happened, we will accommodate it. It happened. But as it is happening, don't forget the purpose of God. Don't just think it's about self-preservation and self-prosperity. God has a bigger agenda. Are you following me this? Okay. The next one, master collaboration. Master collaboration. Listen, and gentlemen. I know some of you, you know, I just, I, I, I just stay in my lane. I, I, I do my thing. I, 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 don't, I, I don't get anybody involved. Listen, gentlemen, you will need more than you in this season. Write it down. You will need more than you. And some of you, the only set of people around you are fans. You will need more than fans. <laughs> fans is the, the lowest level of relationship. And that's why social media can be very, very deceptive. I have 7 million people following me. They are just your fans. They are not your friends. You will need good friends. You will need the right mentors. You will need coaches. A good team is not just good because the individual players are good. It's good because their coach is good. I remember a few years ago, Chelsea was struggling. Lampard was fired. Tuchel was brought in, right? And the same team that was that was struggling in Premier League at the beginning of the season won European Championship. In fact, by the end of that season, they were to, they beat Man City in and out three times back to back, home away, neutral, everywhere. Guardiola has to come out. He said, "How do you play a team that plays with eleven midfielders?" I followed them that year, and, and I was led by the Spirit to make them my team. You know, I'm a very smart man. The way they used to move, they move like this. Those of you that know soccer, you know what I'm talking about. Before you know it, seven of them are in front of your, of your 18 yard box. And before you know it, eight people are in the defense. You are like, they were like machine. The same set of boys that Lampard bought, and the, Lampard was the one that bought them. But guess what? It took it to shell. Some of you, what, what is missing is you need a coach, a to share. 
that will help you put your pieces together. Your players are in the wrong positions. No, 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 no. I'm an independent person. I'm smart. You are not that smart. You need a team. You need a coach. You need friends. You need a coach. And you need people that you are pouring into. So there are four layers. The least, the least of all those layers is fans. And that's what some of us have majored in. Uh, do you know how many followers I have on Instagram now? Fans that don't know where you live. <laughs> you don't know them, they don't know you. And you feel so connected. Deception. Friends and fans are not the same. So you need a team, collaboration. You know, as powerful as Daniel was, he needed a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We talk about how Daniel interpreted the dream. He took their prayer meeting. He took, don't give me some time. I have a team I must go to. Daniel chapter 2. Fine, the secret was revealed to Daniel in the night vision, but it was the team that prayed. Even Jesus needed a dream. Luke chapter 6. He prayed all night just to download his team. And the Bible says when it was morning, after praying all time, he said he called unto himself the 12, the 12 disciples. You need a team. Everybody's your friend. You don't know what you're doing. Even among the 12, there was a three that was key. Who am I talking to right now? Could it be the reason why you have been struggling is because you don't have a team. Some of you have great ideas, but you are not a good administrator. Maybe you what you need to do is to hire the right person. Yes, and you might not even need to break brand to do that. Especially these days of virtual. You can hire somebody in Philippines. You can hire. There are certain things that you are trying to do that you don't know how to do. But there's somebody who's supposed to be in your team. You don't even have to see them. To the glory of God, I have a company that is doing extremely well in media company. Most of the people that work for me, I've never seen them. And we've done really well. I won't tell you the numbers. But, you know, it's good. It's good. But some of the things they do, I cannot do. I try to do everything. Almighty. Remember those wrestling, those days. Mighty God. You're the mighty God. El Shaddai. El Leon. Everything. You are it. Jaira. Jire. Sikeno. You are everything. Don't you never say you are not everything. Oh, yeah, tell you, are you scared of your neighbor? Tell your neighbor, say you are not everything. Don't look at his face. Tell him, say you are not everything. You need some. I know some of you have been, listen, you've been hurt by people. But listen, people will hurt you. But guess what? You will need people. You will still need people. Get over. Get healed. Because you will still need people. People that never recovered from their hearts from men will never be able to fulfill their destiny. Because the same, the same way men hurt you, you will need men to get to your destiny. You will always need a team. The day you get to that point that you feel like you can just run it by yourself. I hope I'm not boring you. Okay, I've not been here for years. Let me pour my heart. Can I? Thank you. Thank you for not showing me timer. I know your church is a very organized church. 
Can you imagine a few months ago, a few weeks ago, I was preaching in Chicago and they displayed time. I looked at them. I said, who, who was born enough to take it, my friend? I said, the next time. No, it was not Nigeria. It was not Chicago. It was Nigeria. I said, I'm your apostle. Whenever I'm here, destroy your timer. When I'm gone, introduce it again. It's the instruction. Instruction from your pastor. For him and his subordinates, not for me. Say, take it away, my friend. Okay. Don't worry, I'll be out of your hair very soon. But have you been blessed? Two more. Master the spirit of excellence. Master the spirit of excellence. Something massive is coming. We don't want you to waste the opportunity. Master the spirit of excellence. What is excellence? Excellence is the ability to, 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 to produce the best. Be the best. God has revealed to you. God has given you an idea. What have you done about that idea? Um, what, how much research have you done? Have you consulted people that can help you nurse the idea? Have you taken a few classes here and there? Especially these days, everything is online. There might be somebody in Asia that has done something similar. They might need to just send an email to and we open up the world for you. The spirit of excellence, the spirit of excellence is important. Master the spirit of excellence. Excellence is the quality of being the best, being outstanding and being extremely good. You know, it breaks my heart when I see Christians that are mediocre. Let's, let's, just, just do, let's just do something. Can you imagine if God created you like that? Say, let's just do something. Your head, your eyes will be under your feet as he was doing something. Your nose will be by the side of your cheek. It's just this one. You'll say, oh, I've been creating people all this while. Let's just do something. You'll be upside down. If God did not just do something, why should you go around doing something? Let's just do something. Life is not hard. It's mediocre spirits. Having the assistance of the spirit, having the spirit of favor does not give you an excuse to be mediocre. Anything less than excellence is mediocrity. Look around. Your God is excellent. He said, how excellent is your name in all the heart? How can you be a new creation, the best product ever made, and yet you settle for just anything? No, that's not allowed. 2023 must be different. To dominate, you must have the spirit of excellence. An excellence that is not practiced in the sacred place cannot be seen outwardly. Be orderly. Under the spirit of excellence, we see things like diligence. Apply yourself maximally. Faithfulness. Committed, dependable, trustworthy. Integrity which is the quality of being honest and having some a, a, a high moral values. Person of integrity is world is gold. Develop character. You know, what we call fruit of the spirit, they are characters. I call them the characters of excellence. Hmm. And lastly, Run your race with patience. Run your race with patience. You want to dominate. 
Listen, just because it was revealed to you now does not mean it will happen now. A lot of people have gotten themselves into trouble because they felt because of the urgency of the world. It's now. There are things that God revealed to you now that it will take 20, 30 years to manifest. So it's not just about faith for now. It's faith over a stretch period of time. The ability to hold on to the word of God, the promise, the promise that was given to you prophetically. You know, it took patience for Caleb to hold on to his promise for 45 years. A lot of people would have revised it. Maybe God did not mean that. But at 85, he was still saying, give me the mountain. Get on your feet. He said, be you followers of them that through what? Faith and patience. Oh, that is, I call it spiritual stamina. Somebody say spiritual stamina. And you know, patience is a form of faith. Is faith stretched over time. Everybody can be excited now when the promise was received. We used to be excited three, four months, five years down the line when the promise has not delivered. We used to be excited. Glory to God. That is patience. Though he tarry, wait for it. That's how God does his thing. He reveals the end from the beginning. Then he now tells you, let's walk through the process. Can you imagine? Joseph saw it. He saw a dream of him having dominion. Dominate. But what he did not realize was that he was going to go through a process. Somebody say process. Starting from beat to Potiphar's house to prison. What he saw was palace. But look at how many peace preceded the palace. Beat Potiphar's house prison. But the promise still came. But Joseph never forgot about the promise. And that was why when the chief butler was going back to the property, he said, when you get there, remember me. That's my place. That's what I saw. There is a process. And you need to run through that process with patience. Someone say, I am patient. Patience is the ability to be what consistently constant. Saying the same thing, believing the same thing, expecting the same thing, in spite of the challenges and the afflictions and the obstacles, nothing has changed. What God promised me is my reality. Can you declare over yourself, say, the promise of God? My prophecy is my reality. I declare, I will not be discouraged, I will not be talked out of what God has promised me. I run with patience and I receive the hand of my goal. The end of the, the, the goal of my faith. If you believe that, come on, see, rejoice. Have you received something this morning? Dominate. God has a place for you. He has an assignment over your life. Start preparing for it. It will happen. Disruption will work for your good. Everything will come together to see that what God promised you is your experience. Lift up your hands unto heaven. Thank you for listening.
We hope you've been richly blessed by this teaching from Kingswood Ministries International. Feel free to visit our website at kingswood.org for more inspiring teachings by Dr. K. Ijishasong. There you'd also find other helpful materials and further information about this ministry. God bless you richly.